Welcome to the I Am In podcast. This semester, the Boise Nampa Institute will interview members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We will hear stories from their personal lives, examples of how the gospel of Jesus Christ has blessed them. We hope you will join us each week to strengthen your faith in the Savior and gain hope for the future. So today we have the honor of being with Sister Carlene Tanner, who is one of my heroes. Um, Sister Tanner has been around here for a long time, has wonderful family, and she is well known for her parenting classes in the Valley. But let's just start today with a little background. Tell us where you grew up and, and who you are and about your family. It's kind of hard to say where I came from or where I grew up because I was born into a military family and we kind of moved all over. Um, I graduated from high school in Yokohama, Japan, and that was a wonderful opportunity. Uh, but from there, went to BYU and got a degree in nursing uh, and met my husband at BYU. We got married in the Salt Lake Temple. And in the beginning, he was a full-time seminary teacher for five years, and we ended up here in Boise. He was teaching seminary, and then uh, he got into construction. And we remained here in Boise, and we've been in Boise. We've been married 53 years, have 10 children, 42 grandchildren, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful adventure. But that's kind of our background. So much, so much in just a few sentences, right? <laughs> and tell me about your conversion to the gospel and to Christ. We, we were talking a little bit about this before we turned on our microphones, but um, your testimony has always been there for you. Talk a little bit about that. With all the moving around and all the things you saw as a child, um, what rooted you in the gospel? I came from a home of um, goodly parents. And so uh, it was a large family. There were eight children in our family. My siblings were my best friends. My mother was my best friend because we moved around so much. But I became very attached uh, to my testimony because the Savior was the one who got me th through moves to moves to moves. He was my best friend that went with me wherever I went. And so, at a very young age, I was dependent on him and knew that he would always be there. So I would have to say there's no profound burning bush experience where my testimony started, but it grew from challenge to challenge to challenge over growing up uh, because the Savior always was there. He was always, always there, as well as it was always part of my family. It was always taught in the family. So I guess I've always had a testimony. I've always known, but it's certainly increased as I've gotten older and gone through more trials and experiences to know that he is always there. That's so great. And you came from a big family and then you chose to have a big family. Where did your desire come to be a mother? You graduated in nursing? Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of people now going through careers, they're working their way and would like to just keep working or, you know, the family has been postponed a lot and, and the world gets louder and louder on that topic. But what made your decision to be a mother? As I grew up, 
of course, the environment, society was so different. I, I grew up in the, would you say, the Leave it to Beaver era, where um, in the 50s, where family was honored and it was uh, one of the choice things to do. And from the time I was a little girl, that's all I wanted to do. I actually got a career or got my nursing degree because if anything happened in a family and I was needed to support a family, I would have an avenue and I wanted that um, security, if you would, to be able to support a family. But it was never my desire to have a career full time. I've just always wanted to be a mother. That's awesome. Those 10 very lucky children. <laughs> um, when I moved back here, um, back in 2007 to Idaho, I remember coming to one of your parenting classes. What made you start teaching the parenting classes? And talk to me a little about your format and what it is you teach, because it, it has blessed our family and our life so much. And I know it's blessed hundreds of others that have attended over the years. But introduce what the parenting class is, what you teach, and why you had a desire to start that. This is a really interesting question because this is one of those journeys that the Lord takes us all on um, that we don't anticipate, where he puts us in a place where maybe he's always wanted us to be. As I started uh, having my family, um, we had some experiences that maybe we'll share later on, but uh, my oldest child was extremely difficult. Uh, she was adopted and um, came with a different personality from the rest of my children. Very, very opinionated, very um, rebellious. Uh, she just had a, a very unique personality. I was raised from a military family with my parents told me to do something and I said, yes, sir, and that, that was sort of the end of it. And with this sweet, sweet daughter, if I would ask her to do something, it was no way. And so I knew that I needed different tools. Then I knew. I didn't even know what the tools were. But I started my curriculum were the conference talks. And I started dissecting conference talks to find parenting tools in the conference talks. I also read uh, a lot of parenting books, and I took a couple of parenting classes, but I filtered them all through those conference talks. And I started to get a new vision of what parenting could be. And it was exciting, and it worked. And as I would sit in Relief Society, I would hear mothers uh, bring challenges that they were having to the front, and I knew the answer. I had, I knew it, I had, I had experienced it, and I wanted to share, but there wasn't time. One day I was sweeping my kitchen floor, and the Spirit said to me, Carlene, you need to start a parenting class. Hmm. And I am typically a very obedient person, but I said to the Spirit, no way. I am not, what, what do I have to offer, and how do you tell people. You just go to Relief Society and say, I'm just really good and I just think you should all come to my class. <laughs> you know, what What does that look like? And I just said, no, I, I, I can't do that. And the Spirit said, yes, you will. And so I finally 
got a group of maybe 10 of my good, good friends. And we formed a, a, a little group that started meeting in my home. And I would bring up a topic and share a topic and we would discuss it. And, and at the end of, it lasted six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, I felt very confident that I had done what the Spirit had asked me to do. And I was prepared to put all the material under my bed and say, okay, I did it. But at the very last meeting, someone said, are you going to do this again? I have a friend that I think should would take this. And I said, well, if you can get together three or you know five or six people, I'll, I'll do it again. And that happened three or four times, and then I did put the stuff away for about five years. And then someone else approached me, and it started up again, and then I was asked to teach it as, at the Institute. And so I ended up teaching about 15 years over at BYU-Idaho Education Week, and I've taught pretty close to 35 years this parenting class, and I'm still teaching it. It's still going on. Which is so exciting for a lot of our young mothers to hear this. I hope that they, I'll, I'll put the information in the notes so that they can attend as well. Um, what was the greatest message that like you, I love that you're combing through the conference talks. I love that you are digging for what's the Savior's perspective on parenting. Um, I think that's what we all do as mothers because there's no book that comes with every one of these darling children that we get. <laughs> and they come with personalities and opinions and agency, all the things that make parenting them really tricky. Um, but they're all so unique. And so how to mother them, uh, every single one, you have to readjust again and again. So talk about some of the tools that you teach in your class that would bless the lives of young parents. I think one of the most important things in this day, in this society, is first of all, to create an attachment with each individual child. We tend to parent collectively. We want to say, okay, kids, it's time for everyone to get undressed, or it's time for everyone to do your jobs, or let's everyone come to the table, and we don't connect individually with each child. And it's critical to be able to form an individual attachment with each child and help them to know that individually they are heard, they are loved, and they're important. And as individual children feel that way from their parents, that is when they individually connect to their Heavenly Father. And then as we teach them principles of the Gospel, we want to teach them to be honest, or we want to teach them to be chaste, or we want to teach them to um, do work, teach them the principle of work. But all of these principles, we tend to teach because they're good principles, but we have got to teach them in connection, connect the dots to the Savior, from the principle we're teaching, and connect the dot to the Savior, which means that instead of reactive parenting, most of us react to our children's misbehavior and think that by us telling them, no, you can't do that, you can't hit your sister, that they hear, let's be kind. 
and they don't. And so we have to start teaching them what we want them to do with an intentional plan. So the first part in, in young couples, as they first get married, is to create a vision of what they want the family to look like. And then what principles do we need to teach our children that will help them achieve that vision? And that vision has to always be connected to the Savior. Always. I love that. And I think we had that, right? In the pre-earth life, before we came here, I think our Heavenly Father gave us a vision of what mortality was supposed to be, what we were supposed to do while we're here so that we could return back home. And that darn veil, if we hadn't gone through and, and lost some of those memories, but we had the perspective. And so I love the concept of new young couples sitting down, creating a vision for what they want for their family, and then learning how to meet those short-term goals to get those long-term goals accomplished. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. We say, well, I want my family to grow up. I want my children to go on missions. I want them to get married in the temple. I want them to get college educations. But that's, that's good. But the family vision has to be more specific. So if you want them to get married in the temple, what are you going to teach them at 3 years old, at 4 years old, at 15 years old, that will take them to the temple? And what habits will you start? That's right. I remember carrying my first little infant to Relief Society. I think he was three months old. And the sister teaching said, if you have a family, then you should be reading the scriptures every night. I remember looking down at this baby thinking, I have a family now. <laughs> oh, wow, this is this has got to start tonight. And and it was interesting to go home and say to a husband, we've got to start family study. We have a We have a family, but here's this infant that can't read or can't comprehend. But she changed our life. Because that night we pulled out the little copy of the scriptures and just read a verse and we sang a primary song and we knelt down and had a prayer. And in that moment, we created the beginning of a habit that has lasted all these years later. And that daily study of the scriptures, the singing of those primary songs that are so full of doctrinal truth and connecting with prayer as a family. And then as each baby came, we just added them on and and it changed what we read. And sometimes we read longer and And then to go all the way up to now with the Come Follow Me program and being able to have that opportunity to have better questions and better study guides with our family and pictures and videos. I mean, it's beyond anything we imagined from that first night. But it is those connections with heaven that change and shape our children into what we hope they'll become. That's exactly right. And even pushing it back a little bit. uh, Your first night that you're married, your honeymoon night, yeah. Start it with couple prayer. Start that first week with family home evening, with come follow me. Start it the first week with family scripture reading and family prayer. And the family's only a couple. But it's a family unit. But it's a family unit. And it's an eternal family unit. And if you are married and have been married for five or ten years, you can just start tonight. That's right. Right? It doesn't. It's, it's okay if it didn't start on that first day, but just start. Just start. That's awesome. Um, talk about some experiences in your mothering where the Spirit guided you, where you had an answer to prayer, and how the gospel really influenced your journey as a mother with your ten children. There is one, one moment that, you know, lots of memories are just memories. 
And some memories, when you go back, it is you see that experience in full detail. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those kinds of memories. Uh, my children, I had, I had 10 children in 12 years. And I don't have any um, doubles, or I don't have twins, or I don't have any. So they're all individual. And so they're very, very close in age, very close in age. And I remember one night, it was a Saturday night, and I have five girls and I have five boys. And my little girls had just all come out of the bathtub Saturday night, and their long blonde hair was wet and stringing down their back. And we were watching something on TV, and i that's what I can't remember. But I was sitting behind them, and they were all sitting in a semicircle, and there were my boys and a few girls. I They weren't all here yet, but... And I remember as I sat there and watched the back of these beautiful children, freshly out of the bathtub, so clean, and sitting cross-legged on the floor watching this program together, and thinking the Spirit just sweetly whispering, in all eternity, in all eternity, I will never have them just like they are. They'll grow up, they'll be married, they'll be given to someone else. And in all eternity, they'll never be just mine, just mine. That they'll come to me and want to sit on my lap and have me kiss away their hurts and curl up and let me tell the scriptures to them and bear my testimony to them. And that moment changed my parenting that I counted each day precious. Each day was a gift with these beautiful, precious children. Oh, there's days they drove me crazy. Don't get it wrong. I had, you know, I had five teenagers at a time. <laughs> so, yeah, there were crazy days, but each one was precious. It was a sacred gift. And that realization that Heavenly Father trusted me so much to give me these precious children for a moment in eternity really, really kept me focused on the Savior and on helping bringing these children to the Savior. Hmm. But let me, let me just interject and say that with that, we, like a lot of good members of the Church, have children who have chosen a different path after leaving home. So you do everything you can do, and they may choose another path, and you just keep loving them. You just keep loving them and loving them and loving them because the script's not written. It's not over yet. Mm -hmm. Love is always the answer. <laughs> it really is. That Every time, um, even when some of the young adults come to talk to me and have stories of someone that's broken their heart, I just think, well, you've got to love everybody in the story, and you know the Savior does. And so as they come and talk to you, uh, love is always what's going to cure the enemy or the, the disaster or the situation. And of course, in the home, it's the place where practice of repentance and forgiveness happens the most because our family gives us lots of opportunities That is to have those moments of forgiving over and over again. <laughs> oh, I think family is where we learn to be Christ-like. Yes. 
the best institution for yeah. it. It's the practice field. Mm-hmm. Marriage and family. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, in your classes, talk about the feedback you get from the young mothers who come and learn from you, who who obviously didn't grow up in your home and, and may not have had a situation where a mother was a stay-at-home mother or even a married couple situation. A lot of our young adults come from divorced families and, and various backgrounds. Some are new converts. Um, so what is the feedback you get as these young mothers come and learn skills of parenting based on Christ-like love? It's really rewarding. It is so exciting because just as you said, so many come without having had a history of being in a family that is a good role model. Whether it's coming from not being a member of the church or coming from just maybe a slightly dysfunctional, I don't like that word because I think we all have our little parts in that, but uh, not being raised the way they want their own family to be raised. And so to watch them in the beginning of class, I tell them that I'm going to give them, the class is 10 10 weeks a semester. And so I tell them I'll give them more information in one class than they can apply in a semester. It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. Mm -hmm. They'll get wet all over, but maybe not a lot go in, but that's okay because it's simply to give them a vision, to see them, help them see what's possible, and to give them a few tools to help them make that happen, because they don't even know where to start. And so at the end of the semester, when you talk to these mothers, most of them just have a grateful heart that says, I am just so grateful to be a mother. It was a burden before, and now I just feel grateful to be a mother. And it has to start with that joy and gratitude. If you can start there, then the Spirit, you're open to the Spirit teaching you what you need to know in your own home. Mm -hmm. But if I can help them find joy in the journey, the Spirit will teach them how. And that's, that's my goal, is to simply help them hear the Spirit, teach them how to do it in their own home and give them a few tools to help them access that. Oh, I love that. Talk about some of the tools that you teach that help them find that perspective in motherhood. Well, we have two semesters, that's 22 classes, sort of, and we talk about um, helping children learn to hear the voice of of the Spirit. We talk about teaching our teenagers and us as adults to hear him. But it's so much easier if you start with little people who live very close to the spirit anyway, but teaching them how to identify that spirit. So we do a class on that and on how to build self-esteem. The self-esteem isn't on being better than someone. It's on knowing who you are. We do one on creating order in your home where you take the control of intentional parenting and you create uh, the vision that you want to have happen. Uh, We do receiving personal revelation for yourself so that you know how to take a, 
a conference talk and dissect it and know what it's saying to your family, specifically to you. Um, we do teaching them to work. We talk about discipline. We talk about how to use the media in a constructive, powerful way. So just taking so many of these things that affect life, how to build your own self-esteem as a mother when things get really hard and you feel useless. How do you build yourself and keep going? How do you reach out to the Lord when it seems like he's the only one that hears? And sometimes you don't feel like he does. How do you make that connection? So these are just some of the things that we cover. So many great topics. So They're many, good topics. Makes us all want to come and do it again. <laughs> um, one of my favorite topics was when you dove into traditions. Yes. And the importance of traditions. Can yes. we talk on that just a little bit? Well, this is the season of traditions. Yeah. We're sitting so, here at Christmas time. We're sitting here at Christmas time. Traditions are what cement individual families. The traditions of my Tanner family is what make my Tanner children want to be Tanners. And they're holiday traditions, but there's so much more. It's what do you do in the summer? Do you backpack? Do you like to water ski? What do you do that you like to be as a family? It's things that you do, uh, do you work together and play together? And what is it that makes your family individual? These are the cements. So we talk about birthdays, we talk about holidays, we talk about creating every day. There's traditions that are daily, like family prayer and family scriptures. There's traditions that are yearly, birthdays. There's traditions that are once in a lifetime. What do you do when they graduate? What do you do when they get married? Um, what do you do about giving a father's blessing, a recorded father's blessing? What does that experience look like? And so to lay this out, a lot, of, a lot of people grow up in families that have no traditions. I did. They, I didn't grow up in a family that had a lot of traditions, and neither did my husband. So we had the adventure of creating traditions. And those are what now bond my married children to one another, pulls them back together. That's the cement that bonds eternal families. I love it. And, and I love the simplicity of the basic traditions that we have. Would you share some of the fun Christmas traditions that your family celebrates? Um, well, now is Christmas time. And one of the things that we, in growing up, we used to always go by, I mean, go up and cut our own trees. We'd start with cutting our own trees, and we loved that. We did the Christmas pillowcases. We always did a secret Santa for someone, we picked a family, and I would have the kids, my children, pick a name of the family that we were doing. And they had to uh, get something for them to wear and something, a treat for them to eat and something for them to do. So they were in charge of doing three things. They had to earn their own money to buy the gifts for their family. Then we would go out as a family and we would shop. We'd come home and wrap it. And on Christmas Eve, we would take a wonderful secret Santa journey across town. We would get caught. Well, we almost got caught. We never really got <laughs> caught. But, you know, ring the doorbell and run. And my children had such amazing experiences in thinking outside themselves. 
I used to have them, I, I refused to have them give gifts to each other because that's 81 gifts under a tree. I don't want that many presents under my tree. But they would draw names, and one of the things they had to do was write a love letter to whosoever name they had drawn. They had to make them a gift, and then they had to write them a love letter. And on Christmas Eve, we would turn out all the lights except the Christmas tree and read our love letters. That was the best part of Christmas. Oh, My kids would often pressure. say, we don't need any more Christmas. We don't need gifts. This is all we need. And so that feeling of love and bonding is what they remember, what they carry still mm -hmm. in their hearts about Christmas. And that's the beauty of traditions. When yeah. you get to do something with people you love, it makes the memory stick. It sticks. So many times the things we do flee right by and we don't remember. And, and life just plugs along and then you forget great moments. But those traditions, those repetitive traditions with the people yeah. you love, start to be memories that you linger and, and hold dear your whole life. That's right. Right. Um, before we close today, I would love you to talk about your advice for these young adults who have yet married and yet had children or maybe just starting their brand new little families. As far as a testimony of motherhood, I know that the first time I saw my first little baby, uh, my heart just melted. I didn't know you could love that deeply. And as each one came, the desire to be the very best mother uh, built and, and became the foundation of who I was. And I would still to this day, if any one of my children needs something, they are my first priority over a calling, over a job, over any task. Um, if my kids need me, then that's where I'm going to be. I don't know that our young adults feel that yet because I didn't feel it until I saw that first baby. So how do you help them have a desire to have a family and to have children when the world just seems to be so loud right now? Well, I think the first seed of desire comes in prayer. As you pray to know the Father's plan, because the Father's plan includes families. The Father's whole purpose of coming to earth is to unite families and bring them home. So it starts in prayer and understanding the Lord's plan and purpose because you can't do that without embracing families, the doctrine of the family. And then to know that the heart of the home is the mother. And it's the greatest gift that God can give. And when you get the testimony of that, then you yearn to be a mother. There's, it becomes kind of hard when you're young and not married. And maybe you don't get married. Maybe you don't have that opportunity and you yearn with all your heart to want it. Then is to accept the Lord's timing, that it will come. And I love Julie Beck's talk that she gave a while back on a mother's heart, mm -hmm. that if you don't have physical children, mothers, women, are given the heart of a mother, and it's to love. And it's to love all children, 
and to love all sisters and brothers. It's to love everyone. That's the mother's heart. But the greatest joy, the greatest joy is being a mother, is seeing your children grow up and love the Lord and serve Him. That's the greatest joy on this earth. And if you're young and you're, look at families, watch them, watch little people, and know that the Lord will use you to touch the lives of little people, teenagers, and help bring them home to Him. That's the purpose of life, is to bring others, especially our own. I'm with you, Michelle. I will drop life to help my children to do anything they need of me because I find such joy in them and being connected in them. It's not them serving me. It's me having the joy and the honor to be able to do something to lighten their load, to help them or to teach them, to bring them to Christ. Thank you so much for your testimony and your time. It is the central focus of the gospel to have families and to help those spirits come here and have their mortal experience in a place where they're loved and where they belong and where they feel safe. And I would hope that for everybody.